0: Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome our South Shore campus joining us live right now. Also, Gulf Coast, all of you that are joining us online. And I particularly want to welcome every week all the men and women in the Orleans Justice Center and St. Tammany Parish Jail. Come on, can we just welcome all of them? So excited to have you guys with us. We are finishing up our fifth and final week of our series called The Other Side, and I want to just tell you how excited I am. Uh, This, I think, has been the best series. Of course, I say that all the time. One of the best series we've ever done in the beginning of the year to equip people how to deal with life and the challenges of life. I do want to say to all the campuses, I'm really fired up next week. I'm going to be here starting a new series called The Lord's Prayer. I'm going to teach you how to pray the Lord's Prayer, not just to recite it, There's power in that, but how to actually pray the Lord's prayer. Today, I want to talk to you as we finish up our series, I want to talk to you about the other side of doubt, how to move to the other side of doubt. In this series, we've been teaching for five weeks, what do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you get to that moment in your life when you don't know what to do? We've been looking at the children of Israel when they were at the Red Sea and And they couldn't go forward and they couldn't go to the right or they couldn't go to the left. And just when they were thought, man, maybe we'll turn around, Pharaoh's army was behind them. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Today, I'm finishing up the series talking about what it means to step out in faith. What does it mean to step onto the other side of doubt? Now, doubt is something that we all face in our lives. There's challenges, there's trials that come into our lives and we doubt, we doubt, do we have what it takes? Is God heard my prayer? Is God gonna help me through this situation? And there's a sense in our life where we get to these moments in our lives like, man, I mean, I trust God, but, but, but I'm just not sure. Reminds me of a story this week when I was putting my message together and finish it. There was a, a man named Charles Blouden. Charles Blouden was a, very famous man in 1860. He was a French, he was a French tightrope walker, a tightrope. He was the 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 you know how you walk a, like at a circus we would see, and 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 he came to America because kind of the perennial quest, the, the Super Bowl of tightroping was was to go across the Niagara Falls, similar to uh, uh, somebody that was a, a mountain climber. I mean, if you if you if you conquered Mount Everest, man, I mean, you you were on the top of your game. If you could tightrope. Niagara Falls. Let me tell you something. It was just the top. Of course, when he shows up, they don't have media like we have today. And so there wasn't millions of people watching and you know, all the different news stations, but there were many, many people in the surrounding areas that heard about him and they were there. And of course, he began, and I'm going to tell you, he was fantastic. This is in an 1860, and of course, he had his thing, and he's walking across, and you know, he's a little showman. They get to the middle, and they think he's going to fall, and, and he makes it to the end, and then, and then he gets a wheelbarrow. Of course, he's got an interpreter at the time, and he says, he says, uh, uh, who believes that I can, I can push this wheelbarrow uh, across with, 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 with all this wood in it? People are like, no way. Sure enough, he gets the end of the wheelbarrow and he takes it and he gets to the middle and he acts like he's gonna fall and he gets to the, and they're like, man, you are amazing. We believe, you are awesome. Everybody's like, we believe in you. Man, you can do it. And then he turns and he says, through his American interpreter, he, he says, he says, do I have any volunteers to get in the wheelbarrow? Not one of them raised their hand. Hey, listen, what's the moral to the story? It's one thing to say that you believe. It's another thing when you trust your life in the hands of another. It's one thing to say, man, I trust God, God is my, listen, he's my savior, he's my provider, he's the one that meets me, man, I trust my whole life with Jesus. I trust God, I trust my future, and then you actually have to do it, and then you're like, I'm not sure. I mean, I want him to save me from my sin, but I I don't know about this. You know, Lord, take, take my life and do what you want with it. See, the reality is God asks us to do things and God asks us to step out and there's challenges that he puts in our lives and he, he'll speak to us to, to, to do this and to do that. And, to, and, and, and the question comes, do we have it? When it takes that moment, there's that doubt, there's that ambivalence, that uncertainty. Do we trust God or not? We trust God to take that step. We've been looking at the children of Israel and it's been our text uh, in the book of Exodus the last, it's a five week series, been looking at it for five weeks and I want us to turn there one more time in Exodus chapter 14 and I wanna read the account where Moses, God speaks to Moses to tell the children of Israel, you gotta remember where they are. They're in a moment of uncertainty. They're, they're in a moment of pressure. There's this tension in their lives. They didn't know what to do. And we'll read it one more time. The Bible says, and Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Everybody say, fear not. not. Again, week one, actually week two, week one was the introduction, but I talked about in week two, I said fear. The very first thing God tells Moses to tell the children of Israel is to fear not. Why? Fear is both a negative mindset, but it's also a demonic spirit. We renew our minds, but we resist the spirit. Remember, Paul told Timothy, God has not given you a, what? A spirit of fear. In the Greek, pneumos, there is a spirit, there's a demonic spirit of fear that tries to threaten us and torment us and to push us back from what God's put in our life. I taught week two, which would have been the first week of this four-part thing. I talked about what does it mean and how do we overcome fear practically? God told Moses, tell the children of Israel, number one, everybody say it, fear not. Number two, the second thing he said is to what? Stand still. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians and you see today, you shall again see no more forever. Again, if you weren't here the last couple of weeks, I'm giving you just a little bit of a brief recap as we finish up the series. But I talked about what does it mean to stand still. What does it mean with the Bible? Every time the scripture, whether in the Old and New Testament, when the Bible tells us to stand, God never implies that we should just passively resign ourselves to circumstances. But standing in the Bible is a posture of expectancy. It's like any moment God's gonna show up, any moment God is gonna do something and change me and change my environment. So God told Moses, tell the children of Israel to stand still. And to see, to see the salvation, our eyes are open when we're standing in faith on God's word. We're standing on the person of Christ. We're standing on the power of God's word. Listen, we're standing with our eyes. God, at any moment, there's an expectation God's gonna show up. God's gonna do something great. Everybody say, "Fear fear not. Say, stand still. Last week, we looked at the third thing that God told the children of Israel to do. And the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your, say it, peace. Peace. What is peace? I talked about last week that peace is not a mental perspective per se. We don't work ourselves into a state of peace like where we just clear our minds. I'm peaceful, why? Because I've emptied my... No, no, peace is a tangible reality. Peace is the presence of God himself. It's the actual peace of Christ that we can experience. It's the peace of God which transcends cognitive reasoning skills where we should be freaking out because of things that we can figure out. God gives us an abiding sense of his peace. Isn't it wonderful to experience God's peace? We can see and sense God's peace. I talked about it last week. Listen, God never promises us in the Bible that we won't go through storms. But God does promise us in the Bible but if we we'll walk with him, watch this, that we can make sure that that storm doesn't get on the inside of us. We can live in the peace of God. Today, I wanna finish up my series, and again, I'm gonna start the Lord's Prayer next week, but I wanna finish up with the fourth thing that God told Moses to tell the children of Israel. And here's what he said. Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel, Moses, you gotta tell them this, Moses, tell the children of Israel to what? Everybody say it, go forth. So the four things are, fear not, stand still, hold your peace, go forward. I wanna talk to you today about taking a step of faith. I wanna talk to you about what it means to take a step of faith, even in the face of doubt. Even in the face of uncertainty, when we're faced with challenges that seem so big and they seem so huge and we're not sure what to do and we get locked up. We get locked up because of the things that we're facing. We have what I call analysis paralysis at times. We're trying to figure out what do I do with this and what do I do with that? and, and, And maybe you're like me where you try to figure it out first. See, the reality is when God tells us, watch this, to step out, please don't, please don't forget this, God doesn't, God doesn't part the sea until we take the step. But when we st- take the step, then God parts the sea. The problem is we want to figure it out first. Hey, God, you got to show, you got to guarantee this. I mean, I need to make sure this thing is clear. And then, and then I'll step. Sometimes it's the pain of our past. Pastor, you don't understand something. I tried it one time. I mean, I thought God was speaking to me and I stepped out and I tried this business and it didn't work out the way that I thought. And, and now I'm dealing with the shrapnel of all these different things. And, And yet I feel like God is talking to me again, but I'm not sure why, because I've got the pain and the memory. You know, our memories are an interesting thing where we can remember things and it brings up that emotion, that pain attached to that memory. And and now we have to fight and grapple with the reality of God is speaking to us. And yet, but wait, 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 I tried that. And, and, And it didn't work out, it didn't pan out. Now I'm grappling with that. Maybe it's a relationship from the past. You know, God is speaking to you. Maybe you went through the pain of a divorce, and man, that is so painful. And I've talked with so many people in our church over the years and that have gone through that weather experience in whatever, whatever season of their life, and God's touched you, and God's restored you, and God's raised you back up, and God's healed your heart, and and, and now there's a relationship that God, and it's a godly relationship and you guys are holy and God is speaking and, and, and yet tapping you on the shoulder. And, and in a sense, you, you know, you kind of sense, you kind of feel and it's scary. It's like, God, I believe that God's bringing me into this relationship, but I don't know. I tried that before. Matter of fact, there was a lady in our church, I I was in the commons area one time, and I said to her, and she was great, she's awesome, lady, a little bit older than I was, and she was kind of like, almost like a mom figure to me. And I said, I said, you know what, God's going to bring somebody else into your life. She goes, that's not true, pastor. I said, well, how do you know that? She goes, no, I don't receive it. I said, what do you mean you don't receive it? If God's given it, you better receive it. She goes, no, that's not from God. (laughs) How do you know that's not from God? How can you say that's not from God? Because I know God. But wait, time out. I mean, maybe if God wants to open a door. No, he won't. It's closed. <laughs> I mean, like I'm having this like high level negotiation with her. She got. I said, well, what if God brings a man? It's from the devil. <laughs> I mean, look, she, she kind of, uh, I mean, you go to that level, man. It's kind of, she like went to, you know, what do I do? Yeah. What was she really said. Pastor, that was so painful. I can't go there. I remember one year we were asking people to sign up to lead small groups and, and this person came up to me and said, um, I really wanna lead a small group. I wanna host the group. You know, we don't use the word lead because if you say lead, people get freaked out. So Pastor Danny said, who's a small group pastor, says, don't use the word lead pastor, use the word host. Because if you say host, see that, so we tricked all y'all, okay, 900 of y'all, we tricked you. Because so it's like, ah, that's what he was doing. I knew it. But, but the word host, you know, you play, plus play on the video. I teach for 15 minutes and you just facilitate conversation. And so one time this guy comes a pastor, you don't understand him. I can't lead, host or whatever. We say, why? Because because you don't understand. I mean, I just came from a very sinful past. I said, welcome to the club. So what do you mean welcome to the club? Because He said, man, I was very, man, I was a mess. I mean, God, are you kidding me? I was in freshman year in college. I said, man, I'm full of sin. And he goes, well, I did, you know, I said, have you ever, you've read in the Bible, right? You know, Paul, right? St. Paul in the Bible. He was a murderer. You ever killed anybody? Pastor, give me a break. I said, well, the Bible, Paul, Paul murdered somebody and, and, and yet God used him right two thirds of the New Testament. I mean, I mean, after all, if God can restore him, if God can forgive him. Listen, who are you to stay stuck in your past when God says, in your future, I wanna use you greatly like I've used, like I've used other men and women of God. We can't allow the pain of the past to hold us back. God says go. We can't allow the past shame, we can't allow past guilt. We can't allow past inferiority, insecurity. I don't have what it takes, I can't step out, I'll never be. You know one of the things I've learned about God, God, let me just tell you this, here's the deal. We are not in the logistics business, we're in the obedience business. What we want is we wanna figure it all out, right? We wanna make sure that it is clear that God's given us all of this. Okay, it's like God told Abraham, go, where? Just be quiet and follow me to a place that I'm gonna show you. Can I get GPS? How about Google Earth? Can you send me maps? Is there, a, just follow me. Oh, okay, I'm gonna show you a star. Look up, Genesis 15. Just follow me. Make you a father. But we demand, we want evidence. If I obey you, you guarantee me? The children of Israel were so upset because here it is, there's water in front of them and There's the army behind them, and God's telling Moses to tell take a step forward. Look what they say in verse 11 and 12. It says, they get mad at Moses. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? I mean, you talk about going negative. What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? (laughs) Didn't we say that we had it better in Egypt? Leave us alone. Remember, they were slaves. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses, we can't believe that you've done this to us. And yet Moses is telling them to take a step forward in faith. God had a way, God had a plan. And Here's the problem, here's the problem. When we don't see with our eyes the next step, listen, how many know God reserves the right to tell us to go whether we can figure it out or not? I that right. Go forward. I wish we were back in Egypt. Go forward. Do you know, you know, let me just say this. Do you know there's times, times, I wanna qualify, there's times when Jesus did things and said things that can be perceived as insensitive. You, you do realize that, right? You know, I think it's important to have compassion, to be sensitive to where people are emotionally. But I'm going to tell you something. How you feel and your sensitive nature, in my sense, let me tell you, Jesus will ask us to do things at times in spite of how sensitive we are. Let me give you an example. One time in the book of Mark, there was this guy, he walked in, you know, Jesus walked in. He was a Jewish man. He walked in in the synagogue. There's this guy over in the corner. The guy's got a withered hand. You know, Jesus was in the healing business. That's what he did. And he told his disciples, see that guy over here, bring him over here. And the guy's over here and Jesus goes, look, he's got a withered hand. Pete, back up. Stretch out your hand. The guy goes, what? Listen, Pete goes, come over here. Now, I'm adding a little bit here. Peter, wait, time out. Jesus, this guy has a withered hand. That was being so insensitive to him. He's got a withered hand. You can't tell the guy to stretch out his arm. The guy's got a withered arm. Listen, Jesus tells us to do something, Listen, whether or not we like it or not, whether or not it makes us feel uncomfortable or not. And the Bible says, the Bible says, as he stretched it out, boom, the power of God hit him and it was made whole. In other words, he had to do what he could do and God did what only God can do. Something about that, the nature of that word faith. It's another word trust. That's why Hebrews 11, I love this scripture. This is what it says, but without trust, it's impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. God rewards us. He rewards our faith. He rewards our obedience. He rewards us stepping out. They want the sea to part and then they follow God. God says, you take the step and then I part the sea. I, um, some of you have heard the story before, but this is a different aspect to the story that I don't, I've only said this one other time. I, 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 in 1993, I started a high school ministry called Next Generation. And it was a Bible club. Uh, I graduated from, from college and then I went to, to Bible school and then I moved back here. In 1993, I was asked, my pastor asked me if I would consider starting. There was a club with five kids. It was actually four kids at, at East Jefferson High School. It was a volunteer student Bible club after school. And, and he asked me if I would take this, got, long story made short, and if I would take this club and develop it and I did that. I, 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 I obeyed, I said, man, pastor, if you want me to do I actually said it first of all, I don't really like high school kids, you know, I'm just, that was pride, you know, I was like, I'm more intellectual than that, but that was just pride. So, so I wanted to speak to college kids. She said, I want you to do this with high school kids. So I did it, and then we ended up getting into another school and then another school. And today, Cynthia Bowler, who's an amazing woman of God in our South Shore campus, uh, she leads that, there's 5,000 teenagers that are in 51 student-led, Bible clubs, just in the Greater New Orleans area alone, not counting Baton Rouge and all the other areas, but, but it's amazing. And thank you guys. Many of you guys who support that. I'm not on the board. I'm not a, we, we do support it as a church. But I did that for six years, and I went to my pastor. I told my pastor, I said, listen, I feel like January 99, I feel like God's calling me to start a church. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. He says, I, you just need to pray about it. You just need to pray about it. So I was praying about it. And April of 99, my parents came to me and said, listen, we're selling our house and we're gonna move on the lakefront in Metairie. This is the house that I grew up in, It's my, my house. And they said, would you, would you and Jennifer be interested? I just turned 30 years, yeah, 30, and we've been married four years. i thought, my house, I grew up, it's a nice house. I'm like, really? I said, you're gonna have to show some love to me. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, cut me a little equity deal or something. You know what I'm saying? Gonna have to, you gotta work a little, I mean, is that all right? I'm just, I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't afford it. <laughs> really would love it. How about Honeywood, you know? So they gave me an incredible deal, and, and so, so here it is. In, the, in April of 1999, I moved in the house that I was raised in, in Metairie. Gerard Playground, the most dominant playground all in the South Shore. <laughs> we destroyed Johnny Bright, Delta Playground, Mike like, Come on, how many on the South Shore? Who you played for and what playground gave you authority and power? So I moved in this house, 1999, April. It's amazing, I can't believe my parents gave me all this equity, we redid the floors, and a friend of mine repainted everything. I was like, this is amazing. This is amazing. It's a little freaky when your bedroom is what your parents' bedroom was growing up. I'm like, this is kind of cool. It's a little bit weird, but, but anyway, so. <laughs> just get out, get out. But anyway, so <laughs> so, but anyway, so, so. That's April 99, my pastor across the lake comes to me, he says, Steve, I said, uh, he says, um, there's a church that was a church, it folded in Mandeville and it's, they wanna restart. Dr. Greg Newland, there's a small group of people, they have a, about 19 people. And so they've approached me and asked if I could find a pastor. I was a youth evangelist, that's what I was at the time. So I prayed about it, and prayed about it, and prayed. We took about four or five months, he kept coming, Steve, you really need to do this, you really need to do this. Finally, August 99, I came, there's 19 people on a Saturday night, we went to. There's a, we were meeting at a Presbyterian church, they were meeting. And so, long story made short, I said yes, all right. But here's the point, I remember going back to my dad when I told him, I said, listen, um, by the way, um, Jennifer and I are gonna go across the lake, we're gonna start a church, we're gonna be putting the house up for sale. My dad goes, you've been in it four months. Are you serious? did you know this? So did you know? I said, I had no idea. It was God. God did it. I, 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 you know, you can always blame everything on him. But anyway, so I said, God, and I really didn't know. But here's my point in saying that. I was making a salary, a good salary from this organization. I was preaching all over America. I was preaching in churches and I was a youth evangelist What I was doing it. So I had a, I had this, this this, this, stable salary. I was in the home that was much better than what a 29-year-old, 30-year-old would have. I mean, very nice. I'm in a home, I've got to stay. And I was asked to do something. And by the way, for the first year, I didn't make $1 from them. I didn't get paid for it. They didn't have any money to pay. Them, so there's no guarantee. So I made, still, I, I preached to teenagers during the week and then I would preach on the weekend. That was the first year, 1999 and 2000 church of the king what's my point there was a moment where i thought to myself i'm so comfortable here you ever heard that term the tyranny of the familiar you ever heard that where it's comfortable i got my needs met. i mean i'm sick look i've got i mean you know those pajamas i mean they just they're so comfortable it doesn't matter how many holes in them you don't want to get rid of them man but anyway so I'm comfortable, I've got a sour, I'm like, I do, I mean, it's. but I knew that I knew that I knew that I know. Matter of fact, I, I heard a preacher say this one time, when you know and you know her, you know what I'm talking about? That God was talking to me. And, and God, was, God was telling me to do this. <laughs> i never forget that week I was praying out. I wanted I wanted a guarantee from God. All right, God, if I do this for you, that's gross. I said, I mean, am I, am I gonna get paid? I mean, I mean I'm mean, i leaving a big house over here. You know, I just, it's not, you know. I mean, oh you know, God, listen. God is not into the logistics business. It's the obedience business. If you obey him, everybody say obedience. When you step out and you trust God, even when you can't say. For instance, Some of you guys, and I wanna be respectful when I say this, just like the man with the withered arm, just like he had a stretch out and God touched him as he obeyed. Just like the children of Israel, just like in my life, some of you, maybe you're fighting an addiction right now. Maybe it's an alcohol addiction a drug addiction, and you're like, man, I've been praying about it. I'm just, I'm, I'm asking God to deliver me. I'm asking God to set me free. Listen to what I'm about to say. And you're crying out to God, which is good, but God is also talking to you. And here's what he's telling you. Then why don't you get up and go to that addiction recovery group? Because if you'll get transparent and you'll be open about it, part of the problem is the secrecy and that thinking get broken off your life. In other words, you do what you can do and then God does what only God can do. Does that make sense? You got to do your part so, so some of you guys that lost your job in the oil downturn and i say this respectfully and and and, and it's like you've got to do you can't just pray about it. you pray about it but you get your resume in other words you've got to do what you can do and then god does what only god in other words then listen god doesn't part the sea and then you step you step and he parts the sea while you step it happens simultaneously and that's this whole thing called faith. And, it's, and the children of Israel were demanding that God did first. But God doesn't do it that way. God doesn't, do, he, he works he, he works with our obedience. Did you remember the, the, the little boy? Did you remember the little boy? Come on, little Jimmy. I talked, I talked about him a number of years ago. It was, Jesus doesn't multiply air. But I'll tell you what he does multiply. He Multiplies five small pistolets of French bread and two speckled trout. Okay, I'm from South Louisiana. You know what I'm talking to. In other words, Jesus multiplies the lunch. He didn't multiply air. He takes our obedience. He takes our step. He takes us showing up at the club, showing up at the group. He takes us selling, doing whatever, starting it, sending your resume in, applying to that college. You've got to take the step, and God hits you with this power. God is in the obedience business. I want to do this before we close. I want to give you two keys to going forward. Two ways that you can know that you know and you know her. I never forget that when I heard that 30 years ago, when I gave my heart to Christ. I heard this preacher talking about you'll know and you'll know her. That's your spirit. God's Spirit is when you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart, and you'll know then you're knower when God tells you to. It's, it's like you got it right here. Let me tell you two ways, two keys to going for it. Number one, you got to know what God says simple but very profound. You got to know Psalms 119 your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word. There are certain things in our life that we don't need to pray about. We don't need a direct word from God to go repent to our spouse. We don't need a re- word from God to, to forgive somebody. How are you doing? Not good. Why? Well, I got unforgiveness. Well, you need to go forgive them. I don't want to. I'm waiting for God to tell me. Time out. In other words, I don't have to pray about something. Everybody say the word of God. Come on, say the word of God is the will of God. I don't have to pray about whether or not it's the will of God if it's clearly word revealed in the word of God. Does that make sense? So if somebody says, well, you know, I'm just waiting to pray about I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just waiting to see when God touches me, then I'm gonna go forgive him." No, I already know it's God. I already know it's the will of God. Forgive, even as Christ is forgiving you. How many times? 70 times, seven. We know all that stuff. So I don't have to pray about something. I just have to step out and obey it. I know it's the will of God for me to be a light at work. Why? Because the Bible says you're the light of the world. The Bible talks about you're the salt of the earth. The Bible talks about, you know, it's not his will, God's will that any perish, but all come to a saving knowledge of Christ. So I know it's will of God in the appropriate time. I know it's the will of God for me to, to be a light, to, 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 to share my faith and to, 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 to be a light, to be a witness. I, I know it's the will of God for me to serve my spouse. I know it's the will of God for me to be an example to my kid. I know it's, I don't have to, pr- I don't have to pray about something that's already clearly revealed in the word. This is so practical. So, so, so when I know something's clearly revealed in the word, I can step out. Y'all want to take my shoe off again? Some of y'all are traumatized by that from a couple weeks ago. So, so I, 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 if, if something's clearly revealed in the word of God, I can just, I just step out, right? I just step out on that, all right? second part of that is I gotta know what God says. God also speaks through this. By the way, I did a series a number of years ago, seven ways that God speaks to you. First primary way, God speaks through his word, but there is, God does speak through the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. God will speak to us. The Bible says in Romans chapter eight, verse 15, look what it says here. It says, those for as many as are led by the what? The spirit of God. These are the sons and daughters of God. So what does that mean? That means when you're praying about something, who do you marry? What house should you buy? Should you start this business? Should you take this job? You're praying about it. You're praying about it. And here's what happens. By the way, somebody said, you need prayer. No, I don't need prayer. I need God, but I connect with God through prayer. Are y'all with me? Prayer in and of itself is just a PVC pipe. God's spirit comes through that. Does that make sense? It's not prayer, it's God. Prayer is just a communication channel. It's the, it's the cell phone, it's the, but who I need is not prayer. I don't need prayer, I need God, but I connect with God through prayer. Is that too technical for y'all? Because sometimes somebody, some, we don't deify prayer, what they need is prayer. No, they need Jesus. They need the power of Almighty God. Prayer is the, it's the connection point where God starts speaking to us. What college are you gonna go to? Well, I, don't, I don't know, I'm filling out applications. Good, make sure to pray about it because when you pray about it, God will speak about it. God's spirit will speak about it. Well, how do I know if it's God? You'll feel a sense of peace in your heart. And when you get to that point of peace in your heart, well, I'm praying about, should I start this business? Well, good, pray, and then come, wait till there's a sense of peace and, 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 and there's, this, there's this rest in your heart. It's like, you know what, you know what? This is God. You, you'll know in your knower, this is God. I should do this, this is God, I should ask them this. This is God, I should step out on this. This is God, why? Because there's an inner witness of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit speaks, God speaks today. I love the mountains and I know in Romans, the book of Romans, it talks about creation speaks. The Psalms talk about God, that creation speaks, but creation speaks to us of the creative nature of God. But the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts, the wisdom of God, God's word, God's presence, God's now, God's take a step. And you can have the voice of God. Do you realize what advantage we have if we will actually pray and ask God? And by the way, God wants to talk. Jeremiah 33 says it this way. It says, call to me and I'll answer you. That's amazing. And I'll show you great and mighty things which you do not know. There's lots of stuff I don't know. Business women, listen to me. Businessmen, moms, dads, single people. You're concerned about your future. Have you prayed about it? Because when you pray about it, you connect with God. That's the PVC pipe. God's spirit comes through that and God will speak to you and you'll know in your nowhere. Yeah. I would never make a big decision in my life without praying about it. Why? I'm not that smart. Nobody's that smart. You can't figure this thing out. So what am I saying? Number one, what I'm saying is that in the word of God, I step out when I know that I know that I know that God's word is spoken to me. Number two, I step out when I know that I know that I know that God's spirit has spoken to me. How many times in my life do I know that I know? And by the way, it does not mean that I have a 100% success rate. There are times when I blow it. Man, I thought that I knew. I thought that God spoke to me. Paul, even the apostle said in 1 Corinthians says, I see through a glass darkly. That doesn't mean, let me tell you something, there's times when you feel that, man, I really felt like God spoke to me, but I I just just missed it, but that's okay. Still step out again. By the way, one caveat, I want every one of our campuses to hear this. All of you online, South Shore, Gulf Coast, all of the jails that we're talking, this is important. If any spirit speaks to you and tells you to do something that is in contradiction to the word of God, that's not God's spirit, that's a different spirit. God doesn't contradict himself. Does that make sense? I've had people say crazy things before. All right, this is God. I'm like, time out, dude, hold on, time out. That seems like it's violating the word. God doesn't violate himself. Everybody say, the will of God is the word of God. I'll go a step further. If anybody gives you any counsel, sometimes good-meaning people, people that may even love you, if they give you counsel, and that counsel is in direct opposition to what the word of God reveals, don't listen to them. I don't say that to be mean. We want to obey what God's word. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my, say it, word will never pass away. So what am I saying? I step out on God's word. I step out on God's voice. Let me give you this last and final thing. Just go for it. Nike said it two decades ago, just do it. I would say, just go for it. One guy said one time, I'd rather attempt to do something great and fail than do nothing and succeed. I remember in my, in my neighborhood in Metairie as a kid, we went to this little club and, and there, was this, there was a small dive and the high dive. How many of you know the high dive never looks high from the ground? <laughs> you know, your friends are up on the high dive. You're like, would you jump? Jump. Jump. And you're up there. And You're just like, nah. You know, and you're like, you are such a chicken. Would you jump? All right, get down. Yeah, get down. Guys, get him down. Yeah, no, no, are you going to do it then? Okay, then do it. You're like, ah, oh, that person. You know, and then you get up there and you're just like, I'm going to climb up. You're just like, whoa. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? It never looks high. We, we, we're, we're always careful to judge people when they don't step out until we have to step out. Are y'all with me? But let me give you the assurance. When you step out, oh, ah, ah! I had a guy up there one time. and I'll never forget this. It was actually a friend of mine one time, and he did this. He's on the high dive. I remember I was, a little, I was probably about 11 or 12 years old, and he did this, getting ready to jump. He went, Okay! I'm thinking to myself, that won't help. <laughs> Here's what's so cool. Listen to this and I'll close. Here's what's so cool. When you step out and you obey God, hey, and, you, and, you, and you see the water's part, you're like, yeah, this is awesome. This is awesome. And then a faith grows inside of you. You're like, I'm gonna do that again. And then you step out, God speaks to you through his word and through his spirit. You're like, I stepped out, God met me. Hey, by the way, you know, there's two bodies of water the children of Israel crossed. One was the Red Sea and then the Jordan River. When they crossed the Jordan River, God told them, hey, get some rocks, take those rocks, put them over your fireplace, why? Because when your kid, don't miss this, I'm closing. When your kids get older and they ask, What those rocks are for? They're stones of remembrance. That's the time when God delivered mom and dad and allowed us to get, that's the time when God showed. Listen to me very closely. Every time you step out and obey God and God parts the sea, it builds a faith remembrance in your spirit. God did it before, God will do it again. Come on, how many of y'all grateful for that? God will do it again. I want you guys to stand.